This episode of Full Stack Radio is brought to you by Laracasts. Laracasts is the de facto community and educational resource for PHP developers of all skill levels. Whether you're new to Laravel or you're hoping to level up your dev team, Laracasts was constructed entirely and exclusively for you. It's a lot like Netflix for your career. I think there's over 500 videos on there right now covering all sorts of topics from Laravel itself to different backend tools, front end frameworks like Vue.js and React, design patterns, how to get better at Git. There's something on there for everybody. So check it out if you have a chance at laracasts.com and thanks again to laracast for sponsoring full stack radio enjoy the show hey everyone welcome to episode 36 of the full stack radio podcast where i talk to people in the software industry about everything from user experience and product design to unit testing and system administration i'm your host adam and today i'm here with uh, jason mccreary the creator of laravel shift you might know him as hey jason how's it going hey what's up so Maybe for anyone who doesn't know you, do you mind just kind of introducing yourself and kind of explaining who you are? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm Jason McCreary. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of Jasons in the software community, so I go by the nickname JMac, uh, which is a nice mashup of my first and last name and also helps show my affinity for Apple products, uh, So, which I guess in a related note is something I've gotten into in recent years. I've become uh, more of an iOS developer, but... My roots are definitely in PHP, so. Right on. So do you do iOS development? Is that like your full-time gig, or do you do PHP at your full-time gig? Or We actually use a lot of technologies at the full-time gig, but uh, I would say mostly in, in probably the last year it's been iOS development. Do you mind kind of sharing like the sort of stuff that you work on? Yeah, so actually we uh, are an extreme programming shop, so we kind of use whatever tools for the job, so it might fluctuate between... Uh, different projects and I guess in the last year I've used uh, C Sharp, we've used Ruby, um, Android and then iOS of course. Unfortunately they don't use any PHP there so I have to get that, uh, scratch that itch outside of work. Cool. Yeah, so um, I mean, the reason that I want to have you on the show is because it sounds like you kind of keep yourself busy with a lot of interesting things, and I thought there'd be a lot of interesting stuff we could get uh, into. But I thought maybe a good way to start would be to just kind of talk about like how you got into programming and like what your kind of journey has been to get where you are right now. Yeah, yeah. So I started um, programming probably when I was a young teenager. I think. I think one of the first things I did was like downloaded uh, this weird program that I knew nothing about from a floppy disk in DOS and I totally like hosed my parents computer and had to have like some lady next door neighbor come in that was like a tech person help like completely reinstall Windows like 3.1 so <laughs> I think at that point in time I was like really <laughs> really like in it deep but um, it was just something that really interests me like computers at, at kind of a very young age and uh, so fortunately, we had a uh, programming class actually at my high school, which was, was kind of uh, new and interesting, I think, at the time. And uh, had a great teacher for that. Uh, she taught us, I guess, uh, basic and then up to C and things of that nature. And she signed us up for this. Uh, it was like uh, American, American Computing Machinery. It was like ACM competition. And we got second in that, which won me an internship. And pretty much since then, I've worked for dozens of different uh, tech companies in all different languages. Um, but yeah, it all started with that internship, which is awesome. That's awesome. So how did you get into like web development? Yeah, so actually that internship was, was with uh, an agency, a local agency, like web agency that developed a bunch of different uh, sites and they used like this proprietary technology. It was called IHTML, which really looks a lot like Cold Fusion. I don't know if you've ever messed with Cold Fusion, but if you replace all like the CF prefixes for all their tags with an I, it's like the exact same language. 
So it was it was kind of interesting, which of course helped later when I when I adopted um, Cold Fusion with with a couple different pieces of technology. Everybody goes through that phase, I guess. Cool. Um, so before we started uh, recording, you were talking about how kind of like you know we we're talking about Shift a little bit, and you're saying that you've done lots of other products and stuff before you started working on Shift. So I'd be interested in hearing kind of like what that story is and like how you kind of got started with uh, creating side projects that you released as products. So what was like the first thing that you put out there that you tried to like charge money for? Uh, it was probably an iOS application. Uh, so back in 2009, when they released, I guess the iOS 3.0 uh, to like developers and just kind of opened up that marketplace. Uh, I got together with a bunch of buddies, like designers and other programmers and stuff, and we came up with this like spreadsheet of just like a hundred different ideas of all these uh, different apps. And of course, that's back when like, you know, the fart apps were making like a million dollars, you know? Yeah. So, and it was just like, come on, one of these has got to be this great thing. And so probably the first product that uh, we made that, that was charged uh, was called Pocket Bracket, and I actually still keep that up today. But essentially, that's um, this March Madness application, which brings the whole kind of paper experience of making a bracket digital. And of course, there's things like CBS and Yahoo and stuff out there that have these services online, but we were actually kind of the first to bring it to the app, which I thought was really cool. That's awesome. So have most of the stuff that you've done like been iOS stuff? Is there any other interesting iOS projects that you put out that you wouldn't mind talking about? There's a couple. There's been a couple other things. I tried to kickstart an app uh, a while back, so that was kind of my first experience with Kickstarter. And unfortunately, it wasn't all the way funded. But it was uh, this like vocabulary building app uh, that I call Waddle, which was basically the acronym for Word a Day Learning. Okay. And effectively, like it was just going to be this way to help teach you, uh, you know, words instead of this whole strictly Word a Day. It was more like you would hear words and you'd put them in this word bank, which we were going to call the Nest. And we just kind of themed it all these like duck themes. And, uh, you know, you'd have the flock out there. You could learn more words from the flock. And you would quack to vote on different words to kind of like build your vocabulary and and gamify it a little bit. And I'm still working on it like in my spare time, but it's it's been like two years in the making. But that's kind of out of a lot of my apps have been out of necessity. Like, for example, that app, like my vocabulary sucks. Like I, I talk to computers all day. Like I have... I'm not very eloquent when I'm speaking, and uh, I'd like to be. So I hear all these words, whether it's in a movie or a podcast or in a meeting, and I just kind of like want to have a quick way, and I normally just use the Notes app to do it. And I found myself doing that a lot, and I was like, oh, if an app did that and also showed me like the definition and allowed me to kind of work through my progress, I thought that would be pretty interesting. So unfortunately, there's only so many hours in the day, and between that and client work and other things, it's just you know, you really only get about an hour and you kind of have to choose which product am I going to devote my time to, right? For sure. So maybe it'd be interesting to get into to shift, I guess, since that's kind of like the latest thing that it sounds like you're spending a lot of your free time on. So do you mind kind of giving an introduction to what it is and why someone would use it? Yeah. So shift uh, is basically, like you said, it's, it's this service that I recently released. And the first products deal with Laravel, which is, uh, I guess, one of the popular PHP frameworks currently. Uh, for those that aren't familiar. And just like any other framework, a framework gets upgraded over time, right? There's changes to the framework. And it's really easy to go and upgrade the framework. You just download the source. In Laravel's case, you know, you upgrade the package dependency and then run Composer update and you're good to go. Uh, but the problem is, like, you have your application code, which is separate from the framework code. And of course, you have to go in and upgrade that. And so, you know, you go check out the docs and it's really this big exercise in, like, 
uh, you know, search and replace and how good are your regular expression skills to <laughs> figure out all these different places in your code base where you might not, uh, you know, you might need to change this method to this name and add this argument to this new, uh, you know, this new parameter and you can't use this class anymore, you need to use this class and, you know, this thing now returns this and this folder moved over here. All these really, really tedious things, right? And so it's like, well, that's exactly what computers are for, to not make me do the tedious work. So that's where Shift comes in. And so I guess what I'm touting Shift to be is the automated way to upgrade your Laravel project. Awesome. So when did you start working on Shift? So I gave a talk uh, at PHP World that was in, uh, I guess, that was in November of last year. And a uh, great conference. And I was able to speak about, uh, my the talk that I gave was all aboard uh, Laravel 5. And I guess at that time it was 5.1. So basically during researching that talk, it was I got more familiar with Laravel and I've used it over the years, but um, I hadn't really stuck with it to the latest version. And effectively the, the big changes were you know 4.2 to 5.0. And there were all sorts of things in there like directory structure changes and they added namespacing to be you know kind of a little more modern PHP architecture. And just a lot of like these really tedious things, but at the same time, if you had a large project, like this would take you hours to do, you know, by hand, right? And I was really surprised in all my research for that talk because I kind of wanted to not only tell people how to do it, but then be like, okay, now that you know how to do it, here's just go out to this blog post or run this script. And I remember years ago when I worked on Cake PHP, uh, I know that they had like a shell script that would help you upgrade between some of their versions. So in the absence of finding anything in Laravel, I was like, okay, well, this is pretty interesting. And fortunately, Taylor was actually at that conference. And so I caught him afterwards after my talk. And I was like, hey, man, are you aware of, you know, anything out there that kind of automatically upgrades? And he was like, no, but I'd use that. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. So I, I sat down and thought, okay, well, how would I build this? And I started writing a bunch of shell scripts to kind of like get started with the 4.2 to 5.0. And it ended up being like really, really huge. And I was just like, this, I, I can't do this. This is, this is you know, impossible. Um, and so I, I talked a little bit more with Taylor about it at the hackathon. And he was like, well, why don't you, why don't you just start with, you know, the shift from 5.0 to 5.1? and focus on that. He was like, it's a lot, it's a lot easier. And, you know, there's a lot of smaller changes in there. So I started with that. And in the process of doing that, it ended up being, you know, a little more manageable. And I, get, I guess I got the ball rolling, so to speak. Right on. So how long was it like from when you first put your fingers on the keyboard until you were able to like successfully upgrade a 5.0 app to a 5.1 app, maybe with a few hiccups along the way, but just kind of generally? Well, 5.0 to 5.1 was probably about three days. Um, cause I was at the conference and we had the hackathons and I had Taylor right there and I was kind of going back and forth between talks to be like, Hey, uh, this change here, could you tell me a little bit more about it? Or like these eloquent models, like what all changed here? Hey, do you think it should do this? And so I was able to bounce a lot of ideas off of them. So I got, I got a lot of, uh, progress really quickly, but the four, two to five O shift and building the site and the infrastructure for the product that took about a month. And so I launched, I think I launched a couple days before Christmas, just kind of a really soft alpha launch. But yeah, so I guess the more accurate answer might be a month. <laughs> sure. So like the, the first approach that you took, like when you were, when you first successfully upgraded a 5.0 app to a 5.1 app, was it like just shell scripts at that point? Is that like kind of what you MVP'd, I guess, like the whole process with? Yeah. Um, 
It actually was a combination of a couple things. So I definitely believe, like, any any project I work on, I believe in trying to find, like, the right tool for the job. And it's this really interesting process because at first you might think you know, but it's it's really, it's almost like a glove, right? Like, it's just it just fits, and you kind of know, like, oh, that's the right tool. And so for some things, the right tool was a shell script for, you know, moving directory structures around. Like, it didn't make any sense to write that all out in PHP, for example, just use the shell. Um, but other things where maybe I was manipulating some strings or, or doing things that just didn't make a whole lot of sense, you could, of course, do them with all the, all the shell commands out there. It just it seemed to be a better fit in PHP land. So it's actually a, a mashup of you know, PHP scripts running shell scripts and then uh, other things happening in there as well, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. Cool. So, I mean, one thing that we didn't talk about that I think is interesting is the way that like Shift actually approaches um, doing the upgrade for you is it's all through GitHub, right? Or does it support yeah. like other uh, version control systems as well? Or is it just GitHub for now? It does, yeah. That that's a good point. Um, so yeah, so Shift itself as a product is is built on top of Git, and so basically you go out to LaravelShift.com, you sign in through GitHub or Bitbucket, and we recently added GitLab, and at that point you basically say, okay, I want to upgrade to Laravel five, or I want to upgrade to Laravel five one. You basically choose which shift you want, and then you give it the repo name and the source branch, and put in your credit card information, and at that point it about two minutes later, you get a pull request that has all the upgrades done, nice little neat commits, and then on top of that, anything that possibly couldn't be shifted or upgraded, uh, you get really detailed like pull request comments on those so you can kind of finish the manual upgrades out yourself. Right on. So did you start with, like what provider did you start with? Did you start with just GitHub and then add Bitbucket and GitLab, of course, later? GitHub and Bitbucket were right out of the box because um, I w the site itself is actually built in Laravel, which I thought was a nice little chicken egg kind of fun thing. So basically using you know Laravel to upgrade Laravel I thought was fun. But yeah, the initial, the initial product um, supported both because of the Socialite, um, I guess, feature that Laravel has. Yeah. So for the actual like communication with like the github and bitbucket api though did you have to do a bunch of work to build some sort of like abstraction layer in front of that i guess that allows you to open pull requests on github and i think they call merge requests on bitbucket and the different commenting apis and stuff like that yeah so underneath the covers at first it was really just using socialite for the authentication and then i downloaded uh some other composer packages i guess the popular ones out there to work with the github api directly and the bitbucket apis directly uh, so I kind of believe in the rule of three. So basically at first I just had those two just kind of in line and I just did a if statement. If you're a GitHub user, do this path. And if you're a Bitbucket user, do that path. So just really, really simple. But once I added GitLab, I actually broke that out into like a service provider and said, okay, you know, basically at this point, uh, you know, it's the Git service and then it just can run simple commands on them like create pull request or create comment. But at first it was just, it was really procedural. And I, I think that went back to that whole concept of like, just kind of doing it the naive way, doing it the simple way to get kind of the story played, if you will, and get it out the door and then see, you know, how it works later on. Yeah, for sure. So you said you launched the first kind of like, was it the 5.0 to 5.1 stuff that you launched uh, before Christmas? Yes. And then when did the 4.2 to 5.0 come along? So actually, I take that back. The first offering was 5.0 to 5.1, and it was 4.2 to 5.0. So the Laravel 5.0 shift and the Laravel 5.1 shift were part of the alpha release. 
And at that time, uh, 5.2 was like, I think about a week out. So it was like a whole coming soon thing. Cool. So what version of Laravel is Shift built on? Well, at first it was built in 5.1 and then I shifted it to (laughs) (laughs) 5.2. So the 5.1 version of Shift was used to shift shift which is built on 5.1 to 5.2 <laughs> that's pretty awesome that's the whole that's the whole chicken egg thing yeah, i thought it was cool. pretty fun yeah, that's pretty cool it's yeah shift itself the underlying service that actually does the work to to upgrade your laravel project is actually broken outside of laravel now so really just the site and the handoff is handled with laravel and then the rest it made more sense to just run as scripts it's just a lot faster okay so so how does that work exactly like when someone opens a shift, I'm guessing like you basically queue up some sort of job or something, right? Now, if you're queuing up something that's like meant to be not run like inside of Laravel, what's kind of that setup look like? Yeah, so I think you actually had it exactly. Uh, so you, you get jobs like really nicely in Laravel. So I just set up a queued job uh, that I guess uses the database as the queue engine. And basically, uh, once that gets picked up, it fires off a PHP script that then acts as kind of a daemon to handle all the other services that it's going to do underneath the covers. And those services, kind of like we talked about earlier, include uh, things like shell scripts. Uh, they include git commands. Um, they include, I think I have a really, really tiny Go service in there that just does some things that were a little faster with some file input output. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, like, I guess, like, what options uh, become available to you when you set things up that way, and you can kind of just pick and choose different things to handle different uh, parts, you know, of the upgrade that you need to do. It's kind of neat. Yeah, they weren't all that way at first. I mean, at first, I really did kind of have a bunch of shell scripts, but then it really became tedious, like I said, to start doing some you know, repetitive items and so forth. So I broke some of those things out into like this PHP class utility. And then that basically just ran uh, shell commands. And that seemed to work for the most part. I didn't really lose any kind of performance there. So I, I think it's been an interesting challenge to kind of see what, you know, works as far as the technical bit. But I, I think kind of the more interesting challenge with this product is, is kind of the social aspect of it. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so I, I think... As developers, you know, we're really we're really skeptic, right? Like people are really skeptic like, well this thing can't upgrade my project better than I can, you know? Like what does it know? And I, I think a lot of people kind of, you know, that's just kind of how we are, right? Like we all think, "Oh, well I can do that in 15 minutes," right? And I think what it really boils down to for me is like time value. Like shift by no means is 100%. I mean, given the dynamic nature of PHP in general, but also just the hundreds of different ways to do things in Laravel, like it's not going to find everything, right? But I think it does a pretty good job just as a side note, even for the things it doesn't find, like it will make a comment and say, hey, like I missed, you know, changing method X to method Y in this file, line 35, like go check it out, you know? Uh, but I mean, I guess back to the point is is more to the fact that it, it really boils down to like time value, right? Like, sure, I could do a better job than Shift can if I spend several hours on this project and meticulously go through every line. Like, I'm going to be able to intuit the changes better than the computer can because I know my code better than the computer does. But at the same time, if I can you know, sign into shift, tell it the repo, and five minutes later it upgrades a majority of my code, and now I can spend those hours focusing on, you know, really fine grain pieces or maybe even new features or, or doing some refactoring, right, that makes more sense for the new version that I've upgraded to. That's far more valuable to me than 
wasting my time copying pasting method yeah. names, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've used it on a couple apps and I find it really helpful. I mean, I feel like for the ones that I upgraded, it probably was able to automatically do like maybe 40% of the things that needed to be done, but everything else was left as comments. So rather than having to like go through the upgrade guide and trying to like keep my eyes peeled for different things that I think might apply to me, I have like a checklist of comments to basically work through and, uh, everything is pointed out to me and I can just go through and, and fix the stuff that I need to fix. And obviously you have to do some manual testing and stuff and make sure everything's working. And I haven't had any problems once I go through that stuff, but I think, uh, you know what you're saying regarding like skepticism and stuff, I think f- probably it mostly just comes from the fact that it sounds like such an ambitious project. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it sounds like how can the computer like do that in a way that is going to work? You know, people like they just don't trust it because it just it's annoying for a person to do and to figure out like what the different changes that they're going to have to make are going to be. And it sounds like it would be hard for a computer to do, too. So I'd be interested in hearing, like, are there any specific things that you have to detect or look for that have been like the most challenging or any things that come up that like took a long time to come up with a good solution for? So, yeah, I think the most interesting thing about the technical aspect of it has been, like, figuring out context, right? Like, we talked about earlier how PHP specifically is, like, a really dynamic language. So, it's very difficult to kind of tell, like, what you what a certain variable, not only necessarily its data type, but maybe, like, how you're using it. Or sometimes, like, if you inherit something a couple levels deep, right, like, how do I know you're inheriting from this that base controller that changed, right, that you now need to inherit from a different thing. Um, Or maybe you've extended Eloquent in a way where I might not be able to identify that a certain class is a model class anymore. So context has been very interesting to kind of sniff out. And that's definitely not something that's been solved. But I think at first I kind of did it naively with just some string um, manipulation in some cases. And I think one of the biggest things that's, that's helped me just get away in, in some cases of using strings is the PSR2 formatting that's part of Shift. And that's kind of been a point, I guess, some people have, have been pretty vocal about not liking, right? But I think Shift is opinionated, which I'm sure we can talk about more later. But it's something I do, and because I, I do it as part of the project, then I can kind of trust the syntax of of uh, your your code, the format of your code enough to infer context a little easier than just an arbitrarily formatted project. But in other cases, I definitely use like the abstract syntax tree. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, are you doing just a lot of like regex stuff or are you going so far as to actually like parse out the AST and figure out a little bit more information about like how things are actually set up and what things are actually trying to do versus just, you know, worrying about characters on the screen? Some things are definitely strings. I would say it's probably 50-50. I mean, there's there's some cases where a method name, I can reliably, I think, do that with, you know, search and replace with just some regex. And I think that's what people would naturally be doing if they were upgrading the project by hand. So I think those are areas that are good enough uh, for these versions of Shift. But there are other areas where I need to determine, you know, did you inherit from this or do you have this property on your class? And that's where I can use things like the syntax tree and sometimes reflection in, internally to PHP and figure out, 
you know, how are you using this and how can I shift it accordingly? Can you think of any like specific examples where like working with the AST has been useful and like what you were doing with it? Off the top of my head, I can't, but if you give me like 10 seconds, I'll just bring up the old PHP storm and we'll get a better answer for you. I know there's a couple, a couple places specifically. Oh, the namespacing, of course. So yeah, specifically for the abstract, abstract syntax tree, uh, namespacing is an area that I definitely rely on that uh, more heavily. So the 5.0 shift, namespacing is something that was added for Laravel 5.0. So figuring out, you know, does your class need this? And what, I guess, what level of the namespace should it be is something that I definitely have to use the syntax tree to figure out, right? Like, do you actually have a class in this file? Yes, okay, what's the class name? What does it inherit from? What should its namespace be? That's been really helpful to actually pull out the syntax tree on. Yeah, I guess like having to pull in the use statements mm-hmm. and stuff is. Yeah, because it won't even get, you know, it won't necessarily get ones that are um, outside of your project, and it doesn't remove the ones that you were already using. But Shift, as part of that, does actually try to figure out, you know, okay, now that I've namespaced your code, generate the use statements for it. And again, we talked about this earlier, but, you know, it seems like something that would be really challenging. But if you use something like PHP Storm, for example, like this all happens for you by the IDE and you never stop and think, oh, well, the IDE is not going to get it right. Like, you can do it. These are these are solvable things. Like, they might be a little challenging, but uh, there's pretty easy ways to solve it. And I think... Uh, once you figure out that solution, it's actually pretty reliable. Awesome. Uh, one thing I th- think would be interesting to talk about briefly, I'm not like a uh, sysadmin expert or anything, so I'm always interested in hearing like how people have their server infrastructure set up for these sorts of projects and c- trying to understand what's possible with what and why you made certain decisions that you made. So I'd be interested in hearing like what powers Shift. Yeah, so Shift actually runs uh, just on an instance uh, on AWS. So... Right now, I think it's a small instance, to be honest. Uh, a lot of the times, the background jobs and so forth, like I said, are pretty performance. So even though on those small boxes, they might uh, take up a lot of the CPU load, like it only lasts about 16 to 20 seconds. So, And the web uh, itself is cached so well that it's one of those things that I haven't run into any problems. So kind of in the interest of staying like super lean and not making it overly complex that like, when it goes down, I'm going to need an hour to fix it. Cause like I have a day job, like <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sysadmin it. So I really try to make it pretty resilient and make it completely disposable. So it just runs on a small instance. And if I have any problem, I just, I just re-image it and bring it back up. And that whole process only takes a few minutes anyways. So awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm hearing more and more about people being able to like run projects on one machine and have it like not be an issue i feel like when someone's like trying to get into this stuff and they're trying to deploy like their first project they hear all the stuff about like oh i should have my database on a separate server and i should have like you know redundant web servers and like a load balancer that's round robin in front of those and it's hard to know like as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience deploying these sorts of things like when you actually need that and and what you can get away with on, on just a single server and i feel like i'm learning more and more that you can get away with a lot more than you might naively think at first. Oh, definitely. I think even my largest product, I don't think I've ever really like server farmed it out, you know, like it's never been super redundant. And yeah, every now and then like I'm, I might have a crash uh, on something or like the, the MySQL might lock up under the load, but I don't know. It's It's been manageable and I, I'm not a sysadmin like you said. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not either. So it's one of those things where... Um, it's about the complexity, right? And I just kind of call Yagni on it. Like, 
I don't need it right now. Like I'm not getting enough shifts coming in to where, uh, you know, it's crashing the server every other shift. And it's one of those things where that would be a high quality problem at that point. Like I'd be glad to go figure out how to load balance, uh, you know, a job queue. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what are you working on next with shift kind of like, you know, what are you trying to get out the door feature wise or what goals do you have for it? Yeah. So I definitely want to build that trust in the community a little bit more. I I think Laravel is actually a great community where people have really proven, um, and, and created a foothold for these, uh, paid products, right. Or paid services. I mean, we have things out there like forge and envoy or layer casts, these great services. And, you know, they're all, um, again, paid, which I think sometimes can rub people the wrong way in the open source community, right? Like, oh, well, you know, Laravel's free and it's like, okay, well, yeah, but these services, you know, provide value in other ways. And of course they're built on top of that community and they're for an open source community, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be, you know, this free product too, you know? And I just, I think that's a slippery slope when people kind of start making those claims. And so I think Shift has a, a great place for that. And, uh, but to the point, I guess, of the question, Um, It's definitely a very ambitious project. It's one that I really want to improve, but to improve it, I have to get like more feedback from the community, right? I have to have people tell me like, oh, well, hey, it didn't really shift this piece that well. So I can go back and tweak these areas where maybe I'm using, trying to get away with string manipulation when really I, I actually need to parse out and tokenize, you know, the syntax tree and run through it and figure it out. So I do want to improve shift more, but I definitely have ideas for a couple more shifts. And shift itself, I chose Laravel at first, but uh, the PHP community at large is something I want to create some shifts for. So in the process of making the shifts for Laravel, I think there's some opportunity to break some stuff out and make it for the PHP community at large. So for example, as part of the 4.2 to 5.0 shift, namespacing was something that had to be done for your Laravel project. But there's really no difference in that regard of namespacing between a Laravel project and any PHP project. So don't be surprised to see something like phpshift.com in uh, about a month. Awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool uh, idea. I mean, I feel like there's lots of other opportunities for that too with things like popular packages. Like the one thing that everyone always complains about is like guzzle. You know what I mean? Like just dependency hell because you were using six packages and they're all depending on different versions of, you know, a particular package or, you know, you have your app built with guzzle five and now this package that you want to use uses guzzle six. It'd be cool to be able to like detect, you know, things like that and update stuff like that. So it's, it's cool. I think there's a lot of opportunity for, you know, interesting ideas like that related to trying to help people keep their stuff up to date in an automated way. Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting, uh, you know, service. And I think I think the sky's the limit. And I think if it, you know, again, it goes back to building that trust. Like if there's enough trust and I think more people were interested in it, I'd almost even like to open up and have shift maybe just be this platform for people to put out their own shifts, you know, for things like you mentioned. Um, so I think that's that's also a really pie-in-the-sky idea of, of something like that, where maybe it becomes a marketplace for other shifts. I don't have to be the one making them, right? Maybe I just provide this foundational API, and I focus on that piece, right? And now you can use that API to build your own shifts and put them into this marketplace or make them free. Awesome. I think probably it's a good time to start wrapping this one up. So... What's the best way for people to kind of keep up with what's going on with Shift and what you've been working on and stuff like that? Yeah, so they can check out at Laravel Shift on Twitter. Um, I try to post on there uh, anything about the product, any release notes or whatever. And every now and then if the queue gets jammed up, I'll post on there that, hey, we're running a little delayed. 
Otherwise, I'm at Gone Dark on Twitter, or uh, I'm kind of old school, so feel free to email me. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, man. It's been awesome hearing about like kind of how you put this thing together and like what some of the challenges and stuff were. I definitely took a lot of uh, interesting things away from it. So it's been pretty fun. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It was definitely fun. I know we probably bounced all over the place, but uh, I love the podcast and was excited at the opportunity. Right on, man. Well, uh, show notes for this episode are going to be found at fullstackradio.com slash 36. If you have any feedback, you can uh, rate and review the show on iTunes, five-star reviews only. And uh, <laughs> if you have anything negative to say, either leave it in the comments on the episode or shoot me an email. Um, thanks again to Laracast for sponsoring the podcast. As always, if you are potentially a Laravel Shift user, then you are guaranteed to be someone who Laracasts would uh, apply to. And spending nine bucks a month there is going to accelerate your learning faster than just about anything else you can do at this point. So definitely check that out. Uh, thanks, everyone. See you next time.